Hello, everybody, and welcome to JavaScript Jabber. Today on our panel, we have Amy Knight. Hey, hey, from Nashville. And AJ O'Neill. Yo, 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 coming at you from Pleasant Grove, live. And today I'm the host, Dan Shapir, and our guest today is Neha Sharma. Hi, Neha. Hi, Dan. Hi, everyone. Your app is slow, and you probably don't even know it. Maybe it's fine in most places, but then the customer loads the page up, that one page, and after a couple of seconds, their attention disappears into Twitter and never comes back. The reality is there are performance issues in your app, and they're affecting your customer experience. What you need to do is hook up your app to Scout APM and let it start telling you where the slowdowns are happening. It makes it really easy. It tells you how slow things are and what the problem is, like N plus one queries or memory bloat. It's also built for developers, so it makes it really easy to identify where the fix needs to go. I've hooked it up to some of my apps and I saw what I needed to fix in a couple of minutes. Try it today for free and they'll donate $5 to the open source project of your choice. Just go to scoutapm.com slash devchat and then deploy it to your app. Once you do that, they'll donate the five bucks. That's scoutapm.com slash devchat. So now you're coming to us all the way from India, correct? Yes. It's pretty late there. I hope you've, you've like rested today so uh, that uh, we will have an exciting podcast because I know we're talking about a really interesting topic. And that topic is accessibility in JavaScript app, uh, web applications. But before we start talking about that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what, who you are, what it is that you do? Sure. I have 10 years of experience in front-end domain. Currently, I'm working as a UI manager, and I'm pretty active in the community. I run a meetup group from last five years in India, JS Lovers, as well as I'm working on design systems, and I'm a pretty much vocal about accessibility, web accessibility, to be very specific in India. Well, it is a very important topic. And uh, as I said before, uh, we're going to be talking to, about accessibility today in the context of uh, JavaScript web applications. So what's so special about accessibility in this particular context of, of JavaScript? We are in that time where we are talking or building the web applications with our very awesome frameworks like React, Angular, Vue. They are now actually taking the front seat in the front-end front end development environment. Now, these are the JavaScript basic, sorry, JavaScript based, and most of the developers for, forget that we they are still writing JavaScript. So when they look at the browser, they can see the web UI, but under the hood, there is no HTML. Everything is getting generated through JavaScript, which is not accessible. And there, there is the gap Though these frameworks do have in their documentation that how to support accessibility, but as a developer, many times we miss this out. And uh, if you will look for the definition of accessibility, it says that it should be accessible to everyone, irrespective of the disabilities. So that's why it is very important for the web developers to understand web accessibility in JavaScript and why it is very important so that we can make it make the web accessible for everyone so suppose i'm i'm building a, a web ui web application or a website using react can you give me a concrete example of where i'm likely to mess up accessibility or make the the web page not not properly accessible 
just because I'm using React with JavaScript rather than straight on HTML? Yes. So one of the common and the biggest mistake folks do when they are building a web application is they don't think about the semantic markup. Now, if I will take the example of React, if React developer is building a header component, when the person is writing JSX, instead of using the semantic header tag, that person will use div. Or if they are creating a button, instead of using the button semantic tag, which HTML provide, they will use div. As a result, that will not be accessible by keyboard as well as by the screen readers. So this is the most uh, common and the biggest mistake folks do when they are building the application either with React or any other framework. In other words, if, if I'm analyzing what you're saying, they've kind of moved the semantic information or semantic context from the HTML itself over into the JavaScript code. That is, it's not a header because it uses a header element. It's a header because in the JavaScript, the name of the function that implements that React component is header. And that might be visible to the developer, but it's totally opaque to the actual person who's using the website, correct? Exactly, correct. I, I definitely agree in the sense that when I look at the HTML that's ge often generated by frameworks for single-page applications, it looks like a, a mountain of divs, which you know are useful elements, or, but really lack any semantic context. So I totally understand where you're coming from. But, okay, so we have this problem. First of all, you know, why is it so important to fix this problem? I mean, if so many people are doing it and we're living with it and are building successful applications with it, why, why is it so important to fix it? It's very important because... Uh, we don't know who will and end up using our application. We are not controlling our users. So if you will see, there would be a person who is not able to access the mouse and that person will be 100% dependent upon the keyboard. So if your website is not accessible, uh, the basic thing is if it's not using the semantic tags, the keyboard support would not be there that person won't be able to access your application. So let's assume if it's an e-commerce application and your application is not accessible, uh, the user is not able to accessible by, access it by using keyboard, then you are again losing a business. Now think from the user perspective, this is a COVID-19 situation going on. There are a lot of people who are now dependent upon the digital apps to order food, to order utilities, even for the online education also. And so many apps are break, broke because of the accessibility and folks are not able to access it. So that's why it's very important, first, from the business reason. And second, there are folks who are dependent upon the digital platforms. And we as a web developers who are building these applications, this is our I'm not saying this is our responsibility because web by default is accessible. So somewhere we as a developers are breaking accessibility. So we should go back and learn the basics and fix it. I know that one potentially quote unquote quick fix 
is to add some area attributes into it. So for example, if I created a button component, but I created it just with a whole bunch of divs rather than an actual button element, uh, is it sufficient for me to just add some area attribute that designates it as a button or am I losing out in some way by doing that? Okay, so this is a very good question because a lot of time people assume that if it's okay if we are not using semantic, we will just throw a bunch of ARIA tags there. But if you are not using the right ARIA tag at right place, you are actually hurting your application. So if there is a semantic tag already available in HTML, please use that because a lot of things that our browser is already taking care of that. For example, button, which you just mentioned. There are a lot of things which go with button with respect of accessibility, like your screen readers are going to read aloud that this is a button. Your keyboard will get the X uh, focus there by default uh, and the on-click behavior and everything. Uh, the moment you will throw an ARIA, you need to start handling a lot of such uh, behavior by yourself. So first rule of ARIA is, if there is a semantic tag available, please use that. If not, there are already defined ARIA tags. Um, you can just go and use from there. But do not try to put ARIA tag everywhere. Okay, now suppose, uh, let's say suppose you convinced me and I'm going to try to be as semantic as possible. Before we before we talk a little bit about where I need to go to get this information, but suppose suppose that I agree to do it. Still, how, how can I verify that I'm doing it correctly? Or, or put it this way, suppose I have an, an application that I've already implemented using React, and I, I think it's not sufficiently it, it's not sufficiently accessible, and I and I try to and I want to try to fix it. How should I go about it? What what should be my process? Are there tools that can assist me? Are there processes? You know, what should I do? So there are two ways through which you can go. The one thing is you can take the help of the tools which are already available, like 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 examples. Lighthouse from Chrome. This is by default integrated with the Chrome developer toolbar. You can go to the audit section and there you will get it. There are X, which is very, very popular actually. So X uh, extension of the Chrome is also available. You can use that. And there are a few more, but these are the two which will help you the most. Apart from that, one thing we need to understand with the accessibility is we cannot make everything uh, automated. So because we this is accessibility, we need to do the manual testing also. So if your application is already built, what you can do is you can run these tools. They will give you the errors. Also, they will give you the solutions and you can fix that. And after that, what you can do is you can just throw away your mouse and start doing the keyboard testing. The screen readers are also available on the with the Windows and the Mac. You can run that and do the manual testing also. And also one of the things you can do if you have the testing team available with you in your project, you can ask them to you know start doing the testing like this. So this is how you can do it. But, but I understand what you're saying, but from my experience, framework-based web applications tend to be more, let's call it, dynamic than mm-hmm. uh, straight-on HTML, you know, static HTML maybe that gets delivered 
from from a web server even if even if dynamic html is delivered from a web server it's more page based whereas hmm. with single page applications you're often you know looking at at complex flows and stuff being added or removed from from a page based on on user interactions so i think that certainly tools like like the ones that you mentioned that are built into the chrome dev tools can be helpful but they will mostly look at the static state of the initial render they won't necessarily f- go through the entire flow of user interactions and 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 stuff like that i think yeah that's true and that's why we uh, the most of the testing comes with the manual for accessibility because uh, the uh, when it comes to accessibility it is not uh, there are only set of few rules but after that it is more about the user experience that for example how a blind person is going to observe the information we are giving like you said that if it there would be a dynamic flow then for that dynamic flow if we are doing a screen reader reading testing then we need to understand by actually running the screen readers on that particular flow that is it making sense or is it not making sense or is there any information which is not uh, coming out clearly for the folks so there would be a lot of manual testing will go there from your experience for a moderate scale web application or website how much effort is involved in such testing there is a good amount of uh, testing effort goes the reason is also we folks who are testing they are not actually having the experience of using the screen readers and everything so first they need to get comfortable with that and then they st- uh, need to actually start doing the testing so in my experience in my project we have the testers who are who learned this and then they started doing the testing so now the the you know the testing is pretty smooth but initially there was like lot of effort went to understand the how the experience should be i understand obviously that you know from a moral perspective i think this is thing something that aj has brought up in in previous conversations that we had on this topic so obviously from a moral perspective there is total justification and need to properly implement accessibility but as you just described there's going to be a cost associated with it there's mm. the 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 cost of doing the extra qa of going through all the flows fixing everything you know there's probably a situation where the current the application is it's currently built is not properly accessible so i'm going to need to invest effort in making it more accessible how do i justify this extra effort aside again from the 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 moral aspect how do i justify it from from the business aspect because at the end of the day you know <laughs> most software companies are out there to make money like it or not true 100% i agree with you this is a one of the most common question which comes to me giving the business justification or making a business case around it is the most uh, difficult part i would say and convincing your leadership the good thing is in most of the country this is a law having the accessibility is by law so when you talk when you uh, mention these things you are able to build your case around it now if i will talk about india we don't have strict rules we don't have strict 
laws against accessibility so for me it was a big struggle to make my leadership to understand that why we need it but the strongest business case was that we don't know who is going to be our user first thing and second thing if we want ourselves to place in a competitive market saying aloud that we are a accessible product is definitely going to set us apart from the competition so when you're when you are able to pass this message that you are going to have a usp because we are going to focus a lot on accessibility that will help you in building your business case in my experience this work one this actually helped me a lot and i have seen that my leadership by they start calling it out that we uh, give accessibility a priority and that's make us stand apart from the rest of the competitive products we have in the market are you stuck trying to figure out how to get to the next stage of your developer career maybe you're just not advancing fast enough in the job you're in or you're trying to break in in the first place or for whatever reason you keep going to interviews and it's just not working and you want to land that dream coding job but it just doesn't seem to be working out Well, John Sanmez has written a book for you called The Complete Software Developer's Career Guide. He walks through each stage of the development career and all of the things that you need to do in order to move up, keep learning, keep growing, and find that next job that's going to get you where you want to go. So if you're stuck and trying to figure this stuff out, go pick up The Complete Software Developer's Career Guide. It's the number one software development book on Amazon. It's sold over 100,000 copies so far. I actually have friends of mine that reach out to me and go, hey, do you know this John Sanmez guy? Because his book is awesome. So go get the book. You can get it at devchat.tv slash complete guide. That's devchat.tv slash complete guide. Obviously, I, I guess you probably can't share like detailed financial information, but like in general, did you actually see an improvement in business as a result of, of focusing on accessibility in this? I don't have any such information, but yes, uh, I can tell you that I can share with you that there was a positive uh, response we got from our end users that we are also focusing on this. before focusing on accessibility when we were not even talking about it uh, though they never questioned it but when we start talking about it they started appreciating it so one gap i saw there is that a lot of our end user assume that everything which every uh, company is delivering is it would would be accessible by default so i would say the positive response which was coming might get convert to money and will be we will be getting some profit out of it besides just making sure to use semantic uh, html elements we mentioned a button we mentioned the header are are there other things that are important from a technical perspective in order to achieve good uh, accessibility Yes there are quite a few things which we should take care so when we are creating the single app page application we are not refreshing our page so our titles are not getting changed or if they are getting changed we are not giving it back to the screen readers similarly if uh, any notification is coming on the page or if it's a single app page application of e-commerce site we are adding a item or review, removing an item basically any dom manipulation which we are doing we are uh, if we are not making using aria 
then we cannot make it announce basically we cannot announce it for the screen reader users so we need to make sure any dom manipulation or notification which is coming on our page it should get announced whenever the page is getting redirect that should take care other thing is when you have a third party websites when you have links which are going to an altogether new website it should be always open to the new window rather than on the same window because this will confuse the screen reader user because they cannot see what is happening they are 100% dependent upon the screen readers another thing is images or tag and um, nowadays emojis are taking all across the web we developers we get the designs from the designers which are very jazzy with emoji emoji icons and everything but we forget that that emoji icon first of all the screen reader user won't be able to see them so if that emoji icon do have some content which you want to relay please provide all tag for that these are the things which developers should take care of it and if they are not getting the all tags and everything they should think like a end user and add it one more thing i would like to add in that list is color contrast though this falls in the designer plate but when we are doing the development in chrome and uh, in mozilla also in that deep development uh, tool we get the information the color is accessible or not if it is not then we developers should go back to our designers and tell them to give us the accessible colors so these are the few things developers should take care of in the context of the last point that you mentioned uh, a feature that was relatively recently added to chrome dev tools i don't know if it also exists in in firefox i mostly use uh, chrome dev tools which i i enjoy a lot or i'm really happy that was added is actually a drop down that enables you to enable the presentation of the site in a way that matches what users with with particular visual disabilities will experience so yeah. that you can actually literally invite the relevant product person and and show them this is how the page will look for a person uh that has this or that particular visual uh, impairment or disability or limitation uh and i have to tell you that that definitely is something that impacts a lot of people i myself have gotten to the to, to the point where i need to use reading glasses when i'm read i'm reading stuff from the screen and and in you know on certain occasions i remember one time when i actually forgot to bring my glasses with me to the office so for that entire day i i was seeing things kind of a little kind of blurry and it definitely made my life much more difficult accessing various services from various websites so so definitely this is something that you know we can relatively easily in a straightforward way show people and and like you know today a lot of people out there have some form of visual limitation constraint disability call it whatever you want but you were talking people before people get old and it happens to everyone <sighs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, really, I I, I want to well, hit on this for a second because yeah. I don't I don't think many people are especially you know younger people that are I think the majority of developers at this point are probably under 40. I think that's fair to say. As you get older and I have not experienced this myself, but I've uh, done a little bit of research into this. As you get older and you hear your grandparents talk about it and what not or your parents maybe, 
uh, or yourself maybe, your ability to perceive the difference between light and dark becomes less and less. So you get less contrast. So when you increase contrast in color palettes, you make it easier, not just for older people to read, but for younger people to read too. The same thing with thickness of lines. It's super popular right now to do these hairline fonts that can only be read on a retina display. They can't like, are just completely illegible on your average cheapo Windows computer. And there are tools like Adobe Cooler, which I think they now call it just Adobe Color, that will help you find color palettes that have good contrast between the colors and the palette, but are still complementary and blend well together. And I, I think this is really important because I, I don't have any problem with my eyes, but I got a problem with my brain. And it is very difficult for me to reason about things visually that don't have depth and contrast. So I find many sites today be very difficult to read and to use. And I know that you know people that actually suffer from problems with their eyes have an even worse time than I do. It's interesting what you said, because like I said, about a year ago, I started using reading glasses. I think it, at my age, it's fairly reasonable. But one thing that I noticed was that not only was I seeing things more clearly, uh, there was also greater contrast for me. So interestingly, just, using these reading glasses introduced a lot of contrast in, into the, 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 the images and, and the text that I was looking at that just kind of I was losing gradually over the, the previous years. So, so definitely, I, I, I totally agree with, whatever, with everything that you said. And especially in these days, you know, you know we might be thinking that maybe it's not as, you know, it might not be economically worthwhile to support people with disabilities. I would definitely disagree with that. But a lot of time, it's the older people that have the money. So if you're giving up on a huge segment of the population just because your designer wants to use the most uh, popular layout and font and, and like you said, uh, razor thin and hardly any contrast, well, you know, prioritizing form over function is definitely going to lose you income. That's actually true. And one of one of, one more thing I want to add here is color blindness, which a uh, lot of people just ignore. And there's a study also that most of the disabilities are not visible. So I have seen a lot of websites where the folks present the status, represent the status with color. Now the like form errors or form success. Now imagine if a person is colorblind and you are putting error out there in red color and nothing in the text, that person will not be able to understand that why that form is not getting submitted. So that is also one of the area where I have seen a lot of websites are failing. You mentioned before something that I, I was not really familiar with, so maybe you can elaborate on it unless I misunderstood. You were talking about the fact that in single-page applications, rather than having page transitions like you would in multi-page applications, you have more complex transitions where the page like changes in response to the user interaction. And that these kind of transitions, because they're not complete page, full page transitions, but like partial content transitions, are sometimes invisible to technologies like screen readers. And you said that there are ways to overcome this. Can, can you elaborate on that a bit? 
generally when you are using the multi-page application, whenever a refresh is happening, your whole browser is getting refreshed. And as a result, the screen readers are going to, you know, they are going to say aloud that this is the title and everything. But in the single page application, this doesn't happen, no refresh. So whenever such thing is happening, we should use real life. So what it does is it actually helps us to understand whenever a, you know, a notification is coming on the page. So there are two types of real life you can do, uh, polite, and then there's another one. Uh, with the polite, it means it will wait for whatever the action the user is doing. And after that, it is going to say aloud whatever the notification came on the page. If it is not uh, polite, it is assertive, it would be like that. It will just, at that moment, it will take it every that notification on priority. And then it is going to say aloud whatever the change or the notification came on the page or anything, any action happened there. So this is the most important thing yet a lot of developers miss out when they're creating the single page application. Can you give an example of, of such a notification? Like what would such a notification say? Sure. For example, if you are adding an item on an e-commerce application, visually we get a color change or one item added kind of no- notification on our web page. But for the screen reader, if we haven't used Aria Live, that one item added to your cart will never get announced. So no matter how many times they are just clicking, they will never get the response, is their item got added or not. In this case, we should use the Aria Live attribute where it will announce every time the item is getting added and this notification is coming. One item got added like this. So this is one of the, I would say, the most of the realistic use case of this. I understand. If you're considering the various frameworks like, you know, React, Angular, Vue, are there like noticeable difference from your experience? Are there like noticeable differences between them? Like some, do some frameworks have better support for accessibility or, or worse support? Or is it kind of doesn't really make a difference? My experience comes heavily from the React and uh, so I, I won't be able to answer it. But what I have seen is, uh, now I started working on Vue, what I have seen is the both are handling the accessibility through their, uh, by creating the awareness through their documentation is very beautiful. So that that is pretty good. But I, I won't be able to answer this question that what are the noticeable difference between all three? Okay. Is there anything else you want to to cover or is there anything else that we should uh, discuss? Yeah, so one of the questions also come is that when we should start thinking about accessibility, it should be at the start of the project or at the end of the project or at the mid of the project. Whenever you are, it doesn't matter that it, at what stage you are, what matters is that if you are thinking about the accessibility, start implementing it. Uh, so if you are at the end or the mid, you already did the development. So what you can do is you can just run the these tools and there are plugins available for your IDE also, which you can integrate and then you can look at the bugs and fix them. Uh, in most of the cases, the big, the 
uh, bugs are not so big. They will be mostly like about uh, fixing the semantic tags or the alt tags are missing and such kind of things. So it won't take time. And if you are lucky, your project is just starting. Then from the day one, you can start thinking about the accessibility. In both cases, it's not going to be pretty hard. The only thing is we need to just start doing it. Uh, I definitely, definitely agree with that. So in that case, I think, I think we covered uh, the, the topics we wanted to discuss. If you're a front-end developer looking for remote work, then I recommend G2i, a React and React Native-focused hiring platform that will connect you directly with their clients that need your skill set. What makes G2i a unique hiring experience is that they spend the time marketing you to their clients of your choice. G2i is a team of engineers that technically vets you up front. If you pass their vetting, their clients have agreed to skip their initial interview process, saving you time and energy getting your next gig. They take care of all the hard work for you so you can get focused on development. To join G2i, go to g2i.co and apply. With that, I will uh, push us to picks. Amy, do, would you like to start? Sure. I'm going to pick something I saw a couple weeks ago that I agree pretty strongly with in most cases. I know there's a little bit of gray area if you are building software that you kind of need to push out a feature and, and see if you actually have like user adoption and stuff like that. But it's uh, just a blog post, but it's pretty lengthy. And I thought, it well, I mean, it's not that long. I just thought the point's really good just about software should be designed, and it's called software should be designed to last. Uh, and he's talking about minimizing dependencies and stuff like that. And that's something that I've been trying to do. And it's actually been a lot more enjoyable and a lot easier than I thought it would be, uh, especially when I need to like debug things. Just the feedback cycle is so much faster when I'm using just like the bare metal tools and not having to, you know, decipher library area messages and stuff like that. So that'll be my pick. Cool. AJ, how about you? Well, I got a couple of good ones and a couple of bad ones. Wait, <laughs> that's not how that goes. I there, There's a video which fortunately has a little bit of language sprinkled in that probably won't be too offensive to most people, but maybe not something that you want to open up in front of the TV with your kids. But it's called Microservices Parody. And I, it feels like a documentary, not a parody. I have been in that room. I have, this, this is a conversation that I, yeah, yeah. It's just, don't know how to explain it, but I recommend watching the video. If you don't get it, it's because you have not worked at a company that, does things that way, but that is definitely really, really common. I, 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 I'd like, I wish I could describe the video, but it wouldn't do it any justice to even try. Uh, but saying microservices parody is probably enough. So I'm going to pick Mother Earth because she gave birth to Yellowstone National Park, which turns out to be an excellent place to visit where there are some unique features that are uh, found in few other places on the entire planet. So Yellowstone has, I, I think it's something like 90 plus percent of the world's geysers, or maybe more than that. It's something like 200 out of 220 geysers, or I, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's it's like way overrepresented. It's it's not not geysers are not equally distributed across the planet at all. And lots of other cool things, boiling mud pots and prismatic springs, like the bacteria that grows there 
in these hot springs grows by color according to the heat of the spring. And so you get rings of almost like a rainbow, but it's mats of bacteria. It's not even moss or algae. It's just like, it's the weirdest thing. And it's like gorgeous and beautiful. So obviously not everybody's going to have a chance to visit, but look up some of the pictures on online and, and YouTube and stuff. And then two more quick things. Windows 10. I like love, hate windows, love, hate relationship, but windows 10 has curl. It has tar. It has SSH and it has PowerShell, which although kind of a confusing shell is worth using in comparison to command.exe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anything's worth using compared to command.exe. So as I've been working on webinstall.dev, I've, I've actually got help with someone who is an employee of Microsoft who was able to explain some things and help out with, with some little ahas and gotchas. So we're, we're getting better Windows support for webinstall.dev. If you see something there that you'd like to have Windows support for, open an issue and I can prioritize it. Otherwise, we're just going to handle things one at a time. But Node is now installable via Windows as well as some of the scripts, SSH PubKey, that script is now working on Windows as a PowerShell script to complement the Bash script. So anyway, got that. And then Kent C. Dodds, you know, he outputs a lot of good material. And I really liked a recent article he had on AHA programming, which is avoid hasty abstractions. I'd actually been thinking about this myself and trying to come up with something that would be sticky and catchy, but someone else had already done it. And then he kind of summarized the difference between dry, meaning don't repeat yourself, wet, which is write everything twice, which is something I absolutely agree with. And then AHA, which I think is the core principle that dry and AHA need to go together. Avoid hasty abstractions. So I'll give a link to that as well. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. I'll want to be looking at that. By the way, uh, Yellowstone is one of the few parks, main parks or major parks in the U.S. that I've not visited yet. We were supposed to visit there when, when I was a kid and then something came up and we didn't. And it's definitely on my list of places to be and things to do. Hopefully, we'll be able to start traveling again sometime in the future and I'll be able to plan a trip over there. It's, it's definitely a place I want to visit. Well, let us know when you do, because from our comparative point of view, a five-hour drive is not a big drive. We'll meet you up there and go around or, you know, keep it to your own family and don't invite us. But, uh, <laughs> but we'd, we'd, we'd go back. We'd go back. We, there's tons of stuff we didn't see. We we were just there for a couple of days and just saw a couple of core things. I think it's also like one of the biggest parks in the world, isn't it? Certainly in the States. Yeah, it's uh, you can enter it from like four different sides and it's an hour drive across in each direction or more. It, it, is, it seems to be pretty big. Cool. So, uh, Neha, I hope that, I don't know if you noticed this whole uh, pig thing, and hopefully you, you have uh, something for us. If not, I'll, I'll talk ahead of you and give you a bit of time to come up with something. But do you have a pick for us or a few picks for us? I was just following what AJ was mentioning. So if it is about, you know, just, I will 
just uh, giving the picks. So I will do plus one for con- Kent C. And also, I recently started working on AWS. So for my pick is Nadal. He work on uh, in Amazon, and uh, I will just drop the handle of him. He do a lot of good content. So yeah, that's the one. And any yeah that I can think of as of now. Cool. So I have a few picks for of my own. So pick number one is that my eldest son has uh, decided to start learning programming. It's been something that he kind of resisted doing for a long time, which was kind of interesting because he's really into maths and sciences, but for some reason wasn't into computers. So now he's giving it a go. And it's interesting for me to experience uh, firsthand somebody who's really just entering the field and, and running into all the issues and, and, and problems and stuff that like I had to deal with like several decades ago. One thing that I notice is that one the advice that I keep on giving him repeatedly is to try to avoid when trying to, to figure out a bug or a problem or why whatever software he's written is not doing the thing that he's expecting it to do is not to try that the problem is that too many people like don't understand because they're they're trying to, they have an like in their head what what they intended the software to do and that causes them not to see what they actually to, uh, wrote down what the software actually does so what i i keep telling him to do is to just take a a, a pen and paper and literally execute the code himself like one line at a time and write out the current state on a paper and then for each instruction just be totally literal about it and update the state based on what the instruction actually says. And when I actually made him do it, he would run into situations where he would say, yeah, but that's not what I meant. And I would say, exactly. And and that's the way that, that you you is the best way I think for beginners to kind of figure out the causes of bugs. And I think, and, and actually I have to say that even after all these years, I still effectively do this. The only difference being, I guess that for some straightforward cases, I can do it in my head rather than having to do it uh, explicitly with a pen and paper. Sometimes I cheat and I do it with a debugger, but, but still Running the code in your head as if you were the computer, I think, is one of the best ways to figure out why some piece of code that you've written doesn't actually work. So that would be my advice slash pick. Uh, another pick that I have is I, I mentioned it before, I think, but I'd like to mention it again, is that whenever I, I like run into unexpected behavior and code that I write, I like to turn it into a riddle because I assume that if I can distill it down to a, su- a sufficiently small amount of code and I can maybe tweet it as a riddle, if, if it confused me, it'll pro- probably confuse other people as well. And trying to figure it out the solution as a riddle is more fun. And then it's kind of enjoy, it's an enjoyable way of uh, learning something new. So if you want to see various riddles that I've done about JavaScript, just go into Twitter and search for the hashtag JavaScript riddle as one word, obviously. And you can see quite a number of riddles that I've written down over the past few years. And interestingly, now that I've just done it, I see that there's also somebody else 
uh, who's also put out a riddle or two, which is really cool. And I'll have, and I need to go out and check out the riddles that they've written as well. So, so I've just, you know, benefited from, from giving this as a, as a pick. Uh, and those would be my picks for today. Anything else that anybody wants to add? Okay, then. In that case, I think it's time to wrap up another episode of JavaScript Jabber. Oh, before we go, Neha, if people want to connect with you, if people want to reach out to you to talk about accessibility or anything else, what would be the best way to, to get in touch with you? They can reach to me on my Twitter. It's hello Neha, Neha with double H. That would be the perfect platform to reach me. Excellent. So with that, I think we'll wrap up another episode. So thank you everybody for joining us. Bye. 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 Adios. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.